0: We are 50 days away from inauguration, and the president's like, I may or may not go. I mean, he's basically Danny Glover from Color Purple talking about could be, could be not. Maybe Joe Biden won, maybe he didn't. It's like, he has won.
1: From the Grio. I'm your co-host, Dr. Christina Greer. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Jason Johnson, and you're listening to What's In It For Us.
0: Well, welcome Jason Johnson. So we've got three great topics for us today. One, President Donald Trump is refusing to concede and it seems as though the GOP is just fine with it. Two, is Bill Barr about to go on a legit execution spree from now until January 20th? And three, Joe Biden is filling the cabinet with tons of black people. Is this descriptive politics or is it really substantive representation? I don't know, you tell me.
1: I have thoughts, but of course, it's all wrapped in the idea of what's in it for us.
0: That is true. So before we get started with those topics, Jason, let's talk about what's been on our timeline this week. So you sent me a clip that many others had sent me, and it was from our good friends in Dallas at a restaurant. There was a a young woman who was twerking in a Black-owned mm. restaurant. Uh, the mm. music was, was jamming. Now listen, mm. of course I thought it was ATL, but it was Dallas. As uh, we all shout know. out to Mayor Eric Johnson, mayor of Dallas. But the owner came out to the restaurant and essentially announced to everyone that this is a Black <laughs> establishment. This is not what he's trying to promote. He cares about Black people. He created this establishment for Black people, but this will not stand. Now it seems as though the internet's divided because some folks are like, agreed. This is a restaurant, eat your food, put on your mask, people. And why is everyone indoors eating? but two, the other folks on the other side of the internet were saying this is politics of respectability at its worst. If the music's bumping, let the woman twerk. She's paying for a meal. What say you, Dr. Johnson?
1: So I love that the store owner, the restaurant owner came out and basically said, like, I ain't going back and forth with you in words. Like, I mean, he was like like the raise that he had, yes. the rage that he had is your 63-year-old auntie when you take the plastic off the couch. Like, he was like, I don't know who raised you in words. Wolves raised you. Wolves raised you. Uneducated wolves, unkempt wolves, (laughs) wolves with bad braids and split ends. Look, so the reason that I shared it, give it for some background. So I'm looking, I see all sorts of shenanigans on my timeline every day. And a lot of times it doesn't necessarily spark debate. It's just something to laugh at, right? Or something highly inappropriate that we exchange that we would never be able to talk about on the show. Uh, (laughs) But this got me because I've been in that restaurant before, not the one in Dallas, but I've been in restaurants in Durham and in Atlanta where you can tell that the owner is like, I'm trying to make that nice black place for black people Mm -hmm. because we don't have one because the places like that are too expensive and this clientele deserves to have a place they can go that's got tablecloths. Mm -hmm. And when you got a bunch of folks who come up in there like they ain't got no home training, I can understand the frustration of the owner. And I think that the people who were saying like, you know, I'd have got up and left or whatever else it is. Look, I understand it. Because I'm sure some people are like, I don't want to be talked to that way by a store owner. I get all that, but I also think there's something to be said about like when we launch businesses, Dr. Greer, it's a collective effort. Mm -hmm. I mean, that man was basically saying like, I did this for us. I didn't Mm -hmm. open up a McDonald's. I didn't open up a Whataburger. I opened up a nice dining places. And he Mm -hmm. said, y'all want to shake your asses? Go over there. Beat go him. to that club. Go to that club. So I thought it was fine. I didn't have a problem with what he said. Mind you, my taste in restaurants goes a little bit higher than Hanna's on a Friday in Atlanta. So maybe I'm the respectability problem in this situation.
0: So, you know, I always have to check myself because I definitely have subscribed to respectability politics. That's just the subscribe, way I raised subscribe. And, You know, it is I don't think it you're is.
1: only a client. I think you might be the president, but keep going.
0: Listen, I go to Benihana on my birthday every year, ever since I was eight. But that's just me. So... <laughs> here's the thing when I first saw the video and he uses an f-bomb and he felt that you know yeah yeah. but I gotta say Jason I was like I don't disagree with him he was very clear because mm-hmm. there are also there's so many restaurants not that we can't afford them it's that we can afford them our money is good but right. white restaurant owners and the staff that work there oftentimes make us feel like we're not welcome and yeah. our money, uh, isn't money don't matter Right. Mm-hmm. And so to have a black owned establishment and so many, especially working black people, want to keep their money in the black community. When I go to brunch, now granted, I'm not eating indoors. So that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> right, Number seven. Exactly. Like, yes. what are all these people doing indoors? I just thought that that was a public health risk because they were definitely past twenty five percent and fifty percent capacity, which worried me. Like that was the first part of the video that I actually couldn't get past. I was hoping this video was from twenty seventeen or mm-hmm.
1: early twenty oh, no, twenty. Like, what COVID are people doing in the restaurant know? with no mask? on? It's called- the covid cafe you didn't know like that was the name he gave it i I gotta
0: say jason before we even get to whether he was wrong or not i just feel like that was too much so putting a pin in this i just think that i'm a side with the restaurant owner if i'm judge wapner i'm going with the side of the restaurant owner and there it is
1: boom case closed and I think, Dr. Greer, one other important thing to add for people to understand, regardless of which side that they're on, right? You also have to understand that the restaurant owner was doing this because he got complaints from other people who were yes. there, right? right? So you can't call it respectability politics when he's basically like, I provide a service, and if people are unhappy with this service, I got to do something about it. Who right. knows how he may have personally felt about the twerking. I mean, It's clear by the kind of rage he put across, he didn't like it either. But had no one in the restaurant said anything, he probably would have been like all right fine whatever and maybe i'll talk to these people as they leave but when he had other people in the restaurant saying i don't like this i don't want to see this person twerking as i have my shrimp and grits then he had no choice because if you don't do that then you lose clients anyway
0: right so it's not restaurant suicide if folks are saying let's wrap this up i want to actually eat my chicken and waffles in peace the end exactly Jason, let's talk about your
1: president. Why is it always my president when he's doing something wrong? Because By the way, there's just... a gif of me dancing. So our little dancing things, we need to have a gif. There's a gif of me on Twitter. Me doing my chicken <laughs> bone dance? Okay, so. A little much. A little much. <laughs> let's
0: talk about your president refusing to concede. As of November 30th, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris started receiving presidential briefings. One receives presidential briefings when the government thinks that they will be the president. So the transition team is in motion. Your good friend, Ms. Murphy, has sent the letter to Joe Biden, not to the president-elect, making it all about her, but essentially saying, fine, I'll release these funds so you can start your transition. Right. Wheels are in motion. Slowly but surely, Republicans on the state level and local levels are saying, listen, man, we done counted these ballots three, four, five times. Homie, like the math is the math. Joe Biden's the winner. We're certifying. Let's move forward. The only folks who refuse to recognize it are your president, Donald J. Trump, and far too many Republican senators who are just like, well, if. Joe Biden is the president, if Joe Biden is sworn in on January 20th. And so for me, that puts us in a very dangerous position, not because of the coronavirus, not because of our foreign adversaries, but for the future of democracy moving forward. We can't have every four years someone refusing to concede and it's like, well, we'll wait and see. Ain't no wait and see, right? The ballots have been counted. More than 5 million people have chosen Joe Biden over Donald Trump. The math is over 270 Electoral College, as is stated in the Constitution. What is the problem? Dr. Johnson, why can't the loser be the loser and understand that he has lost?
1: Because they're cowards, and they're racist, and they're idiots. (laughs) It's it's really all three. Thanks for
0: coming to our TED Talk. Goodbye.
1: Right. It's like, insane. Because here's the thing, Dr. Greer, here's the other thing that I think is so insane about it, and somebody mentioned this like a couple weeks ago, that we've had like more foreign leaders acknowledge that Joe Biden is president than we've had Republicans in the Senate. That's insane, right? Like when the Prime Minister of Togo can say, yes, you are president, but we can't get that out of Mitch McConnell, it doesn't make any sense. And I'll be honest, if we were in a slightly different kind of government? Real talk, all of these people saying if, I would almost perceive that as a threat. Think about if this was happening in a second or third world nation, where somebody won an election that has been clearly reviewed and analyzed and certified, but the opposition party is like, if he gets to the White House, I don't know, something can happen, you know what I'm saying? A lot of things can happen. That is literally a veiled threat, because there's no reason, unless you think Joe Biden's going to slip on the staircase and banana peel, that that man does not end up being president, and senator harris doesn't end up being vice president so it is dangerous and also it sets a precedent not just for what you said somebody doing this four years from now but this is what i've been saying all along about these lawsuits and, and the silliness there's a great article on the washington post about this yesterday or a couple of days ago where you know it was trump talking about how depressed he was and the fights between the lawyers and everything else like that every single time they go and do some crazy lawsuit in michigan or wisconsin or arizona or georgia or pennsylvania yes we know it won't Work, But it opens the door for someone smarter than Trump to try the same thing better in four to eight years. And that is what concerns me. It's very similar. I've said this before, like, it's like in the movies where they hire the master thief to try and break into the office building so they can see where the weaknesses are. This is basically showing where all the weaknesses are in our system. And that's not a good thing that the way in which the press and Republicans have pandered to Trump and his anti democratic tendencies has really weakened and endangered this country.
0: Well, I've always said for from jump street the mainstream media doesn't understand racism because there is no one but a donald trump How could
1: they? That would require having a lot more Black people. So there you go. And Black
0: people who have common sense, because guess what? The New York Times is still struggling, but we'll get to that in another segment. So, but I think the damage is not just on the federal level, Jason, that we're talking about in the next four to eight years. I'm also concerned that when governors come up and Senate races, you know, and people of great import who are just like, yeah, no, I mean, granted, we're not dealing with the Electoral College, but it's like, but I want to recount. Sure, I'll pay for it. Sure, I'll have some frivolous lawsuits. And when we have certain states that are battleground states where we do have slightly close elections, this really does set a dangerous precedent moving forward. We are, I think, forever unstable because not only has Donald Trump refused to concede, say, that Saturday after it's pretty clear that Joe right. Biden got 300 pretty obvious. we are 50 days away from inauguration, and the president's like, I may or may not go. I mean, he's basically Danny Glover from Color Purple talking about could be, could be not. Maybe <laughs> Joe Biden won, maybe he didn't. It's like,
1: <laughs> he has
0: won. And the fact that these Republicans know that and they are still aiding and abetting and poor Brian Kemp, I never thought I'd say that sentence. But this man is like- I refuse to say it. I can't. Like, listen, well, because, you know, guess what? This is his fate. And I love the fact that the gods always circle back around and make sure that you meet your fate no matter how hard you try and avoid it. But it's like, Brian Kemp's like, hey, President Trump, I voted for you. My whole family voted for you. We desperately want you to win. Sir, we have counted and recounted and counted one more time these ballots. Short of me just completely cheating the way I did it for myself. Right, I can't help you out. And Donald Trump is essentially saying, but you did it for yourself, so do it for me. he's like, yeah, but the grift only works once in Georgia. And like, I can't do it for you because now we've got this thing called the Electoral College and we've got people watching me. And Dr.
1: Greer also, and this is what Chris Krebs, right? And for those who don't know, Chris Krebs, Sounds like the guy who runs the Krusty Krab on SpongeBob. Okay. But Chris Krebs.
0: Like, I, I'll take the seasoned fries, please.
1: Yeah. So, Chris Krebs is a lifelong Republican who Trump brought in to do election security during his administration. And what's always funny about this is like, for a guy who won a night in 2016 with the outside assistance of Russia, the fact that he even hired someone to do this in the administration is sort of the telling. Dog. Yeah, my it's God. not funny. It's like, we don't have to worry about crime here. Why do you have a security system in the house? I don't know. Birds get aggressive. Maybe the deers want some of my fine china. Anyway, the point is they hired this guy and he does this interview a couple days ago where he said, look, the reason that we had the most secure election we've had in 50-something years was because had that paper trail, right? Like T.I. said, had that paper trail. And so what you have happening also, and why Brian Greer can't pull the same stone twice is with that paper trail, with all those paper ballots, recounts can be done. You can make realistic estimates. You don't have to worry about a barcode mm-hmm. on some mysterious machine. And that's what really, really angers Donald Trump because you can't play up the margins when you have 127,000 stacks of paper that say Joe Biden, right? right? You can't misinterpret that. And that's one of the things that I think has been the reason why people at the state level are like, look, I got paper. This is very clear.
0: What am I supposed to do? And I mean, and here's the thing. Georgia is controlled by Republicans. So, you know, you can't pull the Michigan-Wisconsin defense, which is- oh, it's a Democratic governor and lieutenant governor and they hate me and this is why I lost. It's like, Pennsylvania's like, hey, we've got a Republican-controlled state legislature which made the rules for you. We followed the rules you wanted. Yes. And here we are, sir. Like, just people don't want you. Like, how many times do we have to tell you we don't want you?
1: But, but I think, Dr. Greer, the, the important thing to understand about this, and again, the danger is, we have to also remember, how's Donald Trump ever succeeded, right? Donald Trump has succeeded his whole life by being like a distilled, wealthy version of like white arrogance and racism and privilege. He does not think that there are any rules or any decisions that he can't nudge, negotiate, threaten, bribe, or buy off. So the idea that he could... To lose something. And this goes, I mean, look, you and I both know this. The whole reason Donald Trump got impeached is because he knew Joe Biden was the only one who could beat him, right? He didn't go to the Ukraine to get rid of Bernie Sanders. Okay. Right. He didn't go to the Ukraine to try and stop Elizabeth Warren. He knew Joe Biden because he knows white people. He knew Joe Biden would be... And he knows wife. racist white people. And, and he knows racist, right? He knows what motivates white American voters. And he knows what he can and cannot do. And so the point of all this is that Trump is always used to, if he gets a bad court ruling, if something doesn't go in his Way, he buys somebody off, or he buys him some property, or he threatens him, or he hires a prostitute to seduce him, whatever he's got to come up with. And there's nothing he can do. He brought people to the White House and again, probably served them burgers and fries, and they weren't convinced. Well, I I mean, and listen.
0: But also, let's be clear, a lot of these people have seen how he has just ruined everyone. I mean, look at Jeff Sessions. He ruins your career, right? Mm -hmm. I'm no fan of Jeff Sessions, but he has gone out in a blaze of disaster and disgrace, right? So there are some people where it's like, over the past four years, this man will not protect me. There's still quite a few white men who are signing up to be abused by this man. But I think it's also pretty interesting how President Trump made it so clear that he needed those three justices in place for a Supreme Court ruling for my electoral race. Like, he was pretty, pretty blatant about that but mm-hmm. he also doesn't understand the courts so it's no. like well i've seen it in the lower courts and then i'm just gonna take this to the supreme court and it's like well here's the difference friend there are a lot of people who will get on fox news and lie for you yes there are a fewer number of people who will get on a stand and lie for you Because once you put your hand on that Bible, you do not want to little Kim yourself and perjure yourself. No. That's a totally different ballgame. It's one thing to be fired and be disgraced. And then you can go in the private sector. And I pray that universities don't start hiring these, you know, shiftless, shady grifters. Well, that remains to be seen but it's really different to lie in a court of law to say that you saw something or you yes. know something that quite honestly is not true and these judges even the republican appointed judges even the trump appointed judges are like you gotta give me something right. you're like, not giving me
1: help anything help me help you help me help, me help you
0: brother like <laughs> you know this is what we tell our students all the time when students are struggling at the end of the semester i'm like listen if you are really struggling you gotta give me something give right. me a crappy paper." I don't Just care if I ask kernel. for 10 pages and you give I'll me work five it. pages of musings. I can grade something. But if you give me nothing, it is definitely an F, right? See, and so these justices are like, sir, You are giving me the
1: equivalent of air musings. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Here's the thing, Doug Rick, but it's deeper than that. This has to do with Trump's sort of failure in understanding people. As much as he understands a certain kind of white America, right? Here's what he also screwed up in his hope, like, we're going to get this to the Supreme Court. And forgive me for such crass terminology. Mm -hmm. It's like, I know I'm a side piece. Don't call me a side piece to my face. Can we pretend that this is about something deeper? I know what we're here to do, but pretend you're going to buy me dinner. Donald Trump screwed up any of his chances with the Supreme Court by basically saying, hey, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett, you owe me. These are powerful, influential people who live by the penumbra that they are objective arbiters of the law. When you insult them that way by basically saying, you're my side pieces, I put you here to take care of me. You guaranteed it wasn't going to work in the Supreme Court Because mm-hmm. I'll be darned if Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Gorsuch want to be seen as anybody's playthings. That was also his mistake. You know why,
0: Jason? Knock down so many of
1: these other rulings.
0: Because they're there for life. Yes. And now that they're there, they recognize. It's like, you know what? I already know that I'm here on Shady Beginnings and Weak right. Foundation. So let me not re- throw in my entire reputation on some frivolous nonsense. I mean, it is my ego. For okay, so let's shift gears ever so Like i am so worried that we are focusing on the transition and your maniac of a president and we are forgetting that there are two people who are still in power that frighten me secretary of state pompeo and attorney general bill barr and for today's episode let's just focus on bill Barr. we'll Mm -hmm. deal with international relations in another episode but bill barr has all but said I just wanna go hunt some Negroes and go on a killing spree. Let's Mm -hmm. bring back a firing squad. And what is so insane to me is that these same people, and you know, I do not believe in the term pro-life, right? It's pro-choice or anti-choice. So these anti-choice, quasi-pro-life folks who believe in the sanctity of life, it starts literally the first time you kiss somebody's neck, right? Exactly. All of a sudden, they have no problem. They have (laughs) no problem putting, black folks especially, for putting people to death. Women, we are about to execute a woman for the first time in 70 years, almost every single other democratic nation who used to be an ally, by the but they mm-hmm. have gotten rid of the death penalty because it's barbaric, it's inhumane, and it's antithetical to all of the democratic principles that we as these nations say that we purport. And Bill Barr is like, I got 50 days, let's roll with it. Let's make sure we show these people just how powerful we are by executing folks whose court cases are still in flight. Like, what is wrong with these people?
1: It makes perfect sense to me. This is the Bill Barr as Dave Chappelle as Rick James' version of F Yo Couch. Right, like, that is all. This like I am going to mess up so much. I'm gonna put my muddy boots all over everything in the justice system, so that you will spend the first year of your presidency just wrestling with Mitch and all these other Republicans and everything else like that to undo the unnecessary crap that I threw at you at the last minute. Mm-hmm. This is you are taking over a new job, and the last person is angry, so they take on a bunch of new clients but do none of the work, so that you have. Have to deal with it on day one before you even go on for office orientation. That is what this is about.
0: Oh, really? Because I thought it was more like taking out all the copper piping when you leave an apartment and peeing on the carpet. Like, that's
1: where. That's I illegal?
0: Yes, sir. Please don't take the copper piping. Please.
1: <laughs> is that why I have a red mark when I try and log into Airbnb? They just say, like, just, you're not allowed. <laughs> but, Do you know, but Jason, here's what person.
0: concerns me is that I think you're completely right. And we talked about this at the beginning of the administration that they would light so many fires on a daily basis. And we talk about this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. What we are, are enraged about is. 7 a.m has nothing to do with what we are enraged about at 12 noon has nothing to do with 3 p.m or 7 p.m or 10 p.m i mean we literally have so many wildfires every single day we haven't even been able to keep up right and so this last stretch in between this transition process in between the election and joe biden being sworn in is what really concerns me because i feel like we're still concerned we're focused on georgia we're focused on this transition we've got Democrats on the left railing about every single nomination that Joe Biden makes, which we don't even know if they'll get confirmed because if Mitch McConnell is still in charge of the Senate and Georgia doesn't pull this off, guess what? The most qualified people aren't going to get through because Mitch McConnell is going to put the kibosh on that. So I'm really worried that Bill Barr in his just insidious hatred for particular Americans is just going to be unchecked And unmonitored.
1: So and here's, I think, something else to look at, Dr. Greer, about some of the stuff that he's pointing out. Like the firing squad thing. This is what got me in particular about that. If this was something, this is how you know it's trolling and you know it's just them trying to screw with Biden and Harris. If this was something that you wanted to do, you had four years to do it. And trust me, Donald Trump is the kind of guy, I mean, he's, he's the emperor from Gladiator, right? Give them games. Give them Gladiator games. I promise you, if somebody in May of 2017 had said to Donald Trump, you know, we should try firing squads. You yeah, why don't we already do it? Right, isn't that already legal? And then we can work our way down the kids at the border. Like, they would have done this already, but they're literally doing it now because it's the same sort of crazy flinging poop at the wall thing that Joe Biden's gonna have to sit there and scrub down. And from a practical level, that is not something that I think you would even be able to do. In most states. I mean, like the idea of not just that it's cool, and unusual punishment, but there's all sorts of health risks and security yeah. risks. Who the hell wants to be shooting somebody during COVID? Like it's so incredibly bizarre. But yeah. again, it's a testament to the twisted minds of the people who are leaving. It won't work, but they're going to have to be cleaning poop off the wall.
0: Right. And so here's the thing also, though. We have far too many Republican governors and Republican senators who were just essentially saying, let's just humor him until he leaves office so we don't hurt his feelings. And I was like, he's a grown ass man and he's gotten away with way too much his entire life for people what? just excusing away his horrid behavior. And it's like, I don't care that his feelings are hurt, that he's a loser. I don't care that he's coming up with the most outlandish ideas because he knows that he's leaving office and he wants to make it difficult for Joe Biden. like I think what has been so and I hate to use the word disappointing because it's like, I already knew this stuff.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, that would assume that you I, had I know. higher expectations. I
0: know, but I think I am just a touch. And my grandmother used to always say, you know, the only time you should be surprised is when you're surprised, right? But I think I am a little bit touched surprised by the number of grown Republican men who have spines of jello. And I always, I know, I know. You could
1: call them smuckers. They've always been full of jelly. Like they I never know. had anything that resembled a spy.
0: But I mean, the stakes is high. Like this is when you all are literally letting this maniac drive a train off a cliff. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll stay on it. And it's like, but why? Why would you do that? Because, why
1: would because you do America's that? not theirs anymore, Dr. Greer. I said this at UVA during a talk, I think, in 2019. And it's not meant to be glib, but it's the core of this. It explains the Republican Party for so long, really, honestly, since Gingrich. It's like if America, if you think of sort of white male racist psychology, if America's a woman, like she dated a black guy for eight years, she's ruined, yep. right? She dated this black guy for eight years. She's still talking about him. She's still checking her phone. She's still liking his Instagram posts. And Trump wakes up every day mad. And that's how these women white men feel. America, the moment that Barack Obama became president, it was a soiled, damaged country in the minds of a certain kind of racist white man. So anything that you do from that point on is fine. They don't care if Trump drives this country off a cliff because they're nihilists. They already think the country is done. Yeah, it's already gone. I mean, that's Steve Bannon. I want to raise this place to the ground and then build up something new because I can't get the stench. I mean, all their insults are about cuckolding and emasculation because that's how they feel. And Mm -hmm. Donald Trump a man who had to pay for sex for most of his life right from adult film stars and mail order brides and everything else like that <laughs> to your third wife there you go exactly i mean like he is the quintessential person who always has to be coddled and petted and touched and made to feel good because he's going to claim that this never happens to me this has never happened before but it has happened before you right. lose all the time you but stay now losing. You don't have a he is like
0: talk. he basically dj Khaled needs to make a song for him it's like all i do is lose like and i fail <laughs> up All I do is lose and fail up. That's why. So before I let you get out of here, Mm -hmm. let's talk about our good friend Joe Biden with his boot on his foot, fractured Mm -hmm. foot playing with mm-hmm. Major the Dog, but he has been nominating folks, an yes. all-female communications team. Uh, he's putting together some extra. It's very from
1: Star Trek. Like, the comms is all women. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I think that's progress or almost like president. an enhanced stereotype. <laughs> well, yes.
0: You know what? I think I'm really excited to have really smart, competent women be able to articulate the ideas of the president. We haven't had a real comms team from this administration. I mean, Sean Spicer sure. was a liar. Huckabee Sanders was a, a total... I and forgot I about her. I She's mean, just weak. A dis- disgusting human being on so many levels. She had a disdain for the American smoky public. Smokey eye. Smokey yeah. eye. <laughs> right. And then trying to make it like, oh, she said I was ugly. It's like, she didn't say you were ugly. You said you were ugly. She just said you had a lying smoky eye. So like, that's what it is. So I am excited about competent people who mm-hmm. happen to be women, who happen to be Black women in certain cases, being able to articulate to the American public what is going on and why it is happening, right? And through the damage that we're going to need to repair. What do you think of some of the names that are floating around say some economic posts we know that john is about to make a little flashback you know obviously the hardcore leftist progressive dems are unhappy i feel like for me the only thing that would make me shave my head and run to dc and like start huh. banging on the doors of 1600 pennsylvania is if rama Emanuel is anywhere near this administration so right now i'm sort of like okay if these people get past mitch mcconnell in the republican senate like what are you gonna do i think it's not bad having some people who understand how democracy works who understands this country who has if relationships at home and abroad. The one person though, who will be a bridge too far for me, is Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago, the former chief of staff to Barack Obama. And that
1: is a bridge too far. So I'll break down each one of these things. So number one, I really think at this point, I don't think Rahm Emanuel is really being considered for anything. Now, I may be proven wrong, but I think this is very similar to like 2018 when Republicans, after they got, you know, got shellacked in the midterms are like, you know, Hillary Clinton's going to run in 2020. You know, Hillary Clinton was never going to run, but they kept throwing it out there because it was speculative and it was the kind of thing that would rile people up. I don't think that Joe Biden would commit such an idiotic unforeseen for transportation It's just completely unnecessary. And it's not because I think Joe Biden is that smart. It's not because I think Senator Harris is that smart. It's because there are 20 million other people who they owe who would have that position before. It's not like Rahm Emanuel was a critical part of their campaign team. So I think he literally
0: was like, do us a a solid and stay far away from this campaign. Yeah. (laughs) Say nothing. Say nothing for the next eight months. Right. Just be Further. Behind them. the ottoman. Keep walking,
1: okay? Keep walking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think that's something that's being thrown around the internet world. I don't think he's really under serious consideration for anything. The next thing is, and there was a piece I was reading about in the news early about this today. Here's my thing about whether or not progressives like it. The people who just came, uh, Flournoy and Pankin, the guy who just, Secretary of Defense, you have, uh, top campaign staffers of Bernie Sanders, who have come forward and said, we like these guys, they're actually uh, Faze, I forget his last name, but they have come forward and said, yes, we actually like these elections. I think it's very important that we always make a distinction between good Bernie world and bad Bernie world. Mm -hmm. We know who's in bad Bernie world, Mm -hmm. but the rest of them are progressive organizers who are really committed to making sure that they hold Joe Biden accountable, as opposed to just making noise and trolling and everything else like that. The other thing I think is this, and this is always a criticism, I think, in how the press cover things. Bernie Sanders' campaign should not be the arbiters as to whether or not somebody is good or bad progressive. I Can mean, hello, who, who? yeah, like, like who woke up after forty-five the- years of public
0: service and made him the arbiter of progressive Thank politics, you. sir. Nobody knew who you were before twenty sixteen. Sit down. Thank okay? you. Sit down. Sit all the way down.
1: Yeah. So his staff should not be the single only determiner as to whether or not this is a good leftist or a bad leftist. There are plenty of black people and organizations and left-wing organizations, think tanks, academics, and scholars. That the press could be talking to right now, as opposed to every single time Joe Biden makes a new nominee. Oh, let me find a former Bernie staffer and ask him a question. What the heck? You can ask who Castro, who, listen, by the way, isn't up for any positions right now, and he should be, right? You got people like Castro out there who is just as far left and a heck of a lot more practical, so let's not play this game. Let's not right. play this game.
0: Well, time will tell what Joe Biden does, and hopefully he's surrounding himself with people with some common sense and aren't just going to wag the dog and chase a senseless media narrative. That'll so end that's up with that. a broken
1: foot, so. Ah! <laughs> and a boot. And a boot.
0: That's all we got today. Thank you for listening to What's In It For Us. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone
1: you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com The What's In It For Us podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Kevin Y. Brown and produced by Abdul Kadus.